Huh? No. Hello, everybody. We are live. Uh, it's morning, and I have my Life Happens 3U mug because Tony Robbins says that life should happen for you. It shouldn't happen to you. And I think that there's a fun middle ground we can find between two and four, and that is three. Life happens through you. Life happens through you. I finally finished that book. Which book? I finished it on my the book, the book I've been struggling with. The super Jordan boring. Peterson's book. Yeah. <laughs> it was so dude, it was so boring. So like, I know he has a lot of issues, but writing is one of them. Um, yeah, it was so boring. It was so overwritten. He overexplained every cliche imaginable by the end of it. And geez, that sounds thing. frustrating. The the laws themselves weren't bad because they were all cliches, right? Like, like that's so, it. It, it should have just been twelve blog posts. I imagine we'll review Tony's book about Money Master the Game tomorrow, even though I definitely will not have finished it. Neither I've did been, I. Like, I got it's like too four long, interviews dude. in. I'm reading it. I'm listening to it on Walks with Chewy. And apparently Tony Robbins reads, he reads some of the chapters, but not all of them. He wanted to at least read the beginning chapters and the end chapters because he wanted everyone to start off their experience and end their experience with Tony. But I think the publisher didn't want him to read the whole book because his voice is so grating. That seems yeah. that's what he implied. <laughs> I mean, maybe he's smart enough to know he can't do everything like Unlike Grant Cardone. Yeah, I will say at first this morning, I was like, you know, every week we always have a lot to criticize, but we usually have something positive to say about each person as well. And I'm like, I don't have a lot of positive things to say about Tony Robbins. I think he's just nuts. However, what I appreciate about him so far with this book is that he did bring in experts. That's a lot more than everyone else we've covered so far has done, who has just acted like they're the authority on everything. At least Tony has done extensive interviews with experts, which yeah. again, they're filtered through Tony's perspective, but are they really? Because I don't believe he wrote this book himself. I'm pretty sure it's ghostwritten. <coughs> so well, to an extent to I, trusted, I trusted a little bit more, yeah. Because they were basically he just published interviews. Yeah, which is honestly, I feel like a smart thing to do in his position. Very. Yeah. No, but it was very smart. Like, I mean, the Ray Dalio interview. Uh, well, first, I mean, the, the only thing that sort of he put his spin on was the build up to the interviews where he tries to make it sound like these people are super exclusive. Like, I remember build, the build up to the Ray Dalio interview. He's like, listen, this is not someone you just approach and ask for. Oh, advice. is this the guy who he was like, this guy won't talk to you unless you have $5 billion? Isn't Probably. I, th I think yeah. it's like I think he says that about everyone in the book, but that's Tony's spin. When in reality, yes, these people won't talk to you on in, like they won't. You can't invest with them unless you have a lot of right, money. Right, you're not going to be their client if you're investing like five dollars. But I don't think that they would just ignore you on the street. Yeah, exactly. And or like, that the, they've never given an interview to a reporter in their they life. They do talks like Ray Dalio <laughs> published his own book like four or five years. Right, ago. and like, Tony's yeah. like, guys, this is this it, like you know, this is, I, I'm in the introduction chapter. Which, first of all, Tony talks so much and says so little when he's the one talking. So we're in the introduction chapters right now, and even in those, he's just repeating over and over again how exclusive all these interviews are. He's like, guys. These people never do interviews. You can't you can't talk to them unless you have five billion dollars. But I got an interview with them because they respect me as Tony Robbins. And I'm like, Tony, fuck off. Come on. Come on, man. Yeah, and then you just Google their name and you see them <laughs> featured in all these articles giving exclusive interviews to all these. It, it's it's 
it's definitely him playing into the whole mystique of Tony Robbins behind the closed door. Cause everything about him is all mystique because all of his events are behind closed doors. I mean, the, the only things that you see publicly are things he chooses for the public to see or leaked footage. And then the well, leaked footage guys, gets him in trouble. I am working on a video uh, for a couple weeks from now, reviewing Tony Robbins's conference, which will be great because I've never been to it. It's too expensive. However, I've had multiple people reach out and comment to me that they've attended it for work functions or things like that. So I'm going to be interviewing a couple people, hopefully at least two or three. I know I have two people, hopefully three, who have been to Tony's conference. And then I'm going to try, I'm going to see if I can figure out how to recreate it in stop motion like I did for the Rise conference. But I'm not sure. Let me know in the chat which of my toys should play Tony Robbins. Because I think Planet the Samantha... The planet, no, I can't animate those, dude. Otherwise, I, I get it, but I can't animate those. Like Samantha, the American Girl doll, was perfect for playing Rachel Hollis, you know. But who should play Tony? I guess I could just have him being played by a tiny ribbon. Like I could print off a picture of his face and glue it on a ribbon, or I could just computer animate it, like I did in that other video. Hold up, I gotta show. Like I was so proud of of my animation. Of, Tony Robbins. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull it up on my TikTok because that'll also, get to it faster. Also, I don't know if you're still here, Amy, but hi, great to have you. I I watched Fake Famous last night, like you told me to. All right, y'all, hold up, real quick, just real quick, real quick. This is I might I might have this be my Tony Robbins conference animation. Boss babe while jumping in a bouncy house. Dude, I, I mean, you're you're <laughs> giving me ideas. Oh, I'm him to say ball yeah. jumping. So that's from me and Monica's recent video on Tony Robbins, and the the context is that right, if you switch around the vowels in Tony Robbins, you get tiny ribbons. You swap all the I's and the O's for each other, and we had him in a bouncy castle because, as we've discussed, Tony Robbins is. He's 61 years old, but he's only had 15 birthdays because he was born on leap year. So for his sweet 16 in 2024, we're going to rent him a bouncy castle so that he can have a, the party of his life. You already know he's going to get a nice car in four years. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For his 16th birthday. He's, he's going to like totally splurge on a nice car. Yeah. And guys, if this if this show is still going in in it 3 will. years from now, yeah, I think it will be, then we will make sure to celebrate Tony's sweet 16 on the stream. Maybe Tony will come on the channel, probably not. Maybe this will grow to that level. We'll record his sweet happy sweet 16 like as soon as we finish this and then we'll just schedule it 4 years from now. Yeah. Well, you emailed Grant Cardone to see if he'd come on our show. Has he replied to you? Oh, he sent you an automated message. Yeah, he invited me to the 10X conference. Of and then I'm, I, I messaged uh, Jordan Belfort. Um, probably for the best he doesn't get back because I might lose my cool with him because he ruined so many people's lives. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's, one, that's one area where I might accidentally let the moral outrage seep over um, because yeah. I hate the fact he's so self- like. I don't know anyone else who has ruined people's lives and were then rewarded by uh, Leonardo DiCaprio playing them in a movie. I mean, I feel like that's like based on a true story, anti-hero, not, I mean, they call them anti-hero movies, but they're really, 
focus on the villain movies. And how is it an anti-hero? What establishment was he going against? I mean, he he, he wasn't like he was trying to tear down the financial se- uh, sector. He was just, like he wasn't the people who he was hurting were victims. It's not like he, it's not like he was a villain hurting right. other villains. And to be fair, I haven't actually seen The Wolf of Wall Street. He, he was convincing people who don't have much money to buy really shitty stocks that he would get 50% commissions on. Yeah, he's a scammer, dude. Um, I, I hate him, too. Um, but, yeah, I think it was it's this whole trend of, like, can we have... Um, I don't know. I feel like that's such a thing where, like, Hollywood will glorify the villain just because it would make an interesting story. And to an extent, I'm glad they can do that because... You know, back in the uh, back when they had like the motion picture something code, what was it? The MPCC. They had that. It was like your heroes have to be heroes and your villains have to be villains. And if you're here, if there's any moral gray area, we will shut down this movie. That was like a law. And it and it was also like also if any of your characters are gay, they have to be a villain. Like that was a whole thing. Like and it was very explicit <laughs> about this. Um, uh, so that was in place for a while. So I'm glad that there's like, I feel like maybe now everyone's just going hard in the opposite direction of like, we can do whatever we want in the movies. Maybe, but I mean, I, I might take it a step further and just say, I think it's because if you have, if, if you're relatively attractive and you have a shit ton of money, that, that itself is just the story. Cause I, I, I wouldn't even say it was an interesting story. Like here's the story. He got really rich. He didn't respect people. He partied a lot. And then he went to prison. I mean, I guess I can see the appeal because that sounds, I mean, until the going to prison part, the rest of that sounds like a pretty good life. Just living life completely selfishly. Because like, here's the thing in the Godfather, like who was he going against? He was going against other mobsters and corrupt politicians and, uh, and law enforcement agencies who are usually the villains in movies. Mm -hmm. In Wolf of Wall Street, it's, I want your money more than you (laughs) random person who is saving for your retirement. (laughs) See, that's partially why I guess when we talk about Tony's book tomorrow, which neither of us will have finished. um, But I don't like that there's such a focus on investment. The, the, because the book is not called how to invest, right? The book is called um, money. The book is called like seven simple steps to financial freedom, which first of all, I bought because it was at a used bookstore and because I don't, like, I, I always cringe when I hear financial freedom. So I was like, there'll probably be some good stuff to criticize in here. However, like, I would have expected, I mean, maybe I'm not that far into the book because Tony is rambling about nothing for hours right now. But I'm like, where is the, is it, this is just all going to be investment advice? Because I feel like there's a lot more to money than investment. And if all we're focusing on investment, that's just like, the, the game is already rigged in investment, you know? How so? Well, I mean, you just saw we just saw what happened with like all the GameStop stuff, right? There's a lot of there's a lot of like conglomerate machines within the investment world that try to take control of the markets. Yeah, but that's also like that's risky investments, which would not be promoted in a book like the one like Money Master the Game. Okay, fair enough. I haven't gotten that far enough in the book yet to know what he's going to promote. Like the idea. Of, okay, so like options trading. And um, the, the, my issue with, with that is options trading and short selling, shit like that. You have to be a relatively sophisticated investor um, with a decent amount of money in order, in, order to, um, in order to make those trades. Part of the issue with Robinhood was they didn't have the financial backing to cover all of these option calls. Um, mm. 
And people, like, the other thing that people don't seem to understand, I don't know if you saw this, but there were multiple suicides, at least one off the top of my head, of people who thought they lost all of their money from unsettled options trading, and they just killed themselves, like kids who were just oh, playing. Like, yeah. Yeah, so, that's terrible. So it's really fucked up. That's why it is for sophisticated investing. And the idea of shorting and um, naked options trading when you don't have the financial backing to, to cover your losses should not be given to people who don't have much money. It, right. it, <laughs> well, I just feel like I just feel like it's such a focus on investment. Like to an extent, this all feels like gambling. And that's what I don't like about it. It's that like this was. Is, yeah. Well, that definitely was gambling. Yes. But it's like investment in general feels like you're playing with fake money, even though it is real money. If you, but it, 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 I don't know. I don't know how to explain this in concrete terms. So I might just not make sense on this, which is fine. But it, it makes me feel like I'm playing with fake money when in reality I'm playing with real money that's going to affect my real life. And that's why I find it scary, I guess. But also I feel like, I feel like it's just such a, it's a, I feel like it's a system that treats money as an ambiguous idea and maybe that's why it appeals to rich people so much because they don't have to see money as a tangible necessity. I don't know. But it's not just rich people either. I mean, anyone who works a traditional job who has um, matching 401k plans should be taking advantage of that matching 401k. Like if you, oh, if you get a 3% sure. and then you invest that into, as Kimberly just said, index, investing in, a, in an ETF index, that's a relatively cheap investment for you, um, which over the course of each of since the uh, conception of the stock market. If you do, if you just take a look at the average annual return, it's like 10 to 11% return. So you're oh, going to have okay. some up years, you're going to have some down years, but because you're regularly investing, so you're going to be buying sometimes at a premium, sometimes at a discount, but it's all going to average out to a 10 to an 11% return, which is, so I guess you could still qualify it as gambling because there's absolutely no guarantee. And you never know when you're going to have to pull out your money and you might have to pull out your money because an emergency came up and it happened to be, all coincide with a down year. But all in all, if you increase your time horizon uh, from now to retirement, you should see substantial compound increases annually. Dude, I'm going to be so excited to talk to you about all this when we talk about the book tomorrow morning, because I feel like you have, well, you have such good investment knowledge just as a person. I don't know if I have good investment knowledge. I've just, I, I, I've, I've qualified. I've, I've passed exams for it. That's you all. So exams. I, I, I've you just... definitely have more than most people have. I, I have more than people who don't pass exams or, I mean, here's the thing. I, I would not say I'm the smartest person in the world when it comes to investing. I spend all day researching uh, companies. So yeah. I know the companies I research quite well, but there are people on Reddit who I think put every single stock analyst or money manager to shame because researching, like researching companies and researching investment ideas is like they're porn. Well, that's wonderful. I'm happy for them. Uh, I want to take a couple comments uh, and then we can talk about what we did this morning. And then we're going to have at 830, we're going to have our morning meeting today is going to be Alicia, who has a book coming out. So we're going to talk to her about her upcoming book, which is going to be exciting. Um, I don't Katie, mean to. Sorry. I was going to say, I, I, don't, I hope this doesn't come across as um, as as in anything but positive. But I think Mushroom Destroyer and her boyfriend deserve a show. They, they sound they, they sound interesting. But every little tidbit of information she gives us every day makes their life sound so much she more says, interesting. Me and my boyfriend are going to do a video this weekend of me turning him into an e-girl. Should be fun. Oh, dude, well, I'm excited the, to see that. The, and then the last one, how when he was having an episode, he lost 12 grand and now he's on meds. Oh, wow. Dude, yeah, you guys, I'm, I need to watch more of y'all's videos. 
Um, what I find interesting is this discussion about, I guess this is kind of going back to the Wolf of Wall Street, which uh, there's a comment by Katie and a comment by Marie here that I think is interesting because Katie says, I definitely feel the movie framed him like a bad person, but the audiences interpret it differently. I agree and with that. I think that I, I think that brings up what we were talking about the other day. If you make a movie, like, cause first of all, he's played by, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio, who is conventionally attractive. If you make a movie where someone is attractive and wealthy, is there a way for the audience to see them badly? I think that's the question, because I think the movie can frame them as a terrible person, but will the audience still take away a desire to have their life after watching someone be attractive and wealthy for two hours? Not just movies, WWE, they tried to make The Rock a heel but he was just too cool and He's too attractive. Too cool. <laughs> so everyone loved him and they couldn't turn him heel. Yeah. So that's, yeah. I think that's the question is like, yeah. You can't we... make hot people villains. Right. So they should have got someone who wasn't as attractive to play him. But again, they won't do that because only attractive people succeed in becoming actors unless you're doing like a, unless you're a specific type of character actor or something. Yeah. If you, if you're, if you're, uh, I, if what, you're not, not, well, you probably know the term. I'm totally blanking out all of a sudden. I don't know the term. I don't know. But like if you're Jason Alexander, shit, I don't want to call anyone ugly. But, you know, the bald guy from Seinfeld. Well, a lot of people a lot of people try to use Steve Buscemi as an example. But I think Steve Buscemi is super hot. Like, I have been very attracted to Steve Buscemi my entire life. You have. Uh, you. I mean, I'm not calling him ugly or hot or anything. But I just, I've never heard anyone call him hot before. And okay, well, so I was in this class in, in uh, grad school. And... Um, we were talking about like right characters and books, uh, how a lot of people will interpret a character being less creepy if they're hot and something like that. Yep. So this one guy raises his hand and is like, when I talk to students about this, I call it the Steve Buscemi rule. I tell them in writing, if Steve Buscemi was doing it, if it would be creepy, then you shouldn't have the character do it. And then I raised my hand and I was like, okay, but did any of your students ever like be like, but Steve Buscemi's hot though, because I think Steve Buscemi's hot. And then this other girl in the class was like, wait, me too. I've always been super into Steve Buscemi. So then we had this bonding moment where we were like, we didn't understand how Steve Buscemi was the creepy one because he's super hot. Uh, how I Met Your Mother had an episode of it too when they were talking <laughs> about, like, I, I forgot the, the names they had because they were fictional characters on the show. But uh, Marshall was talking about like, are you a something or a Dahmer? And Marshall was talking about how when he was trying to woo Lily, he snuck into her college dorm room with all of these candles and flowers and started playing her an original song he wrote on the guitar. And then uh, they were like, okay, now imagine if she thought you were ugly. And it went back to it. It was just the creepiest scene ever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. If someone is attracted to you, you can get away with a lot more. That's just That's just life. Yeah, I guarantee. What Marie yeah. says here, the premise of Shallow Hal is that the main character is superficial and Tony Robbins hypnotizes him to see people's inner beauty. Uh, then the main character falls in love with Gwyneth Paltrow to later find out she's a morbidly obese woman, which Hal only finds out when he's unhypnotized by Robbins. Wait, we should definitely watch this movie because this will be a great transition from Tony I Robbins week to Gwyneth Paltrow week. I remember that movie vividly. I remember it when it came out vividly, but I don't think I ever actually saw it. I just remember being advertised everywhere. I have a Jack Black hole in my brain where like anything he's ever done, I watch once and it's just trapped there forever. And it's beautiful because if I'm ever bored, mm -hmm. I can just access Jack Black's library of movies and close my eyes and watch them. 
But I feel like that would be a great like because we're we're transitioning right on uh, this weekend from from Tony Robbins week to Gwyneth Paltrow week. And so since the uh, the movie, we should. Oh yeah, uh, we we'll should dr- watch. We'll it. drunk watch it. We should drunk watch it, and then we should review it on Monday when we start Gwyneth Paltrow week. That's going to be wonderful. Also, the chat is talking about serial killers now, so you've done something. Okay, Amanda, I just want to give a shout out to Amanda for being the same person as me, because she's like, oh my god, Sevi, me too. I love Steve Buscemi so much. <laughs> have, you seen, have you seen Miracle Workers? No. I really want to see it. It's 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 another um, anthology show. Uh-huh. Uh, the first season, Steve Buscemi is God, and Daniel Radcliffe is trying to stop him from destroying the Earth. And then the second uh, season is the Dark Ages, and Daniel Radcliffe is like the prince of this king of this uh, Dark Age kingdom, and Steve Buscemi is just some random peasant. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! All right, so okay, so guys, today I have a bunch of videos to film, and I want to do fun makeup for it. So I'm going to start doing makeup in the background while we talk about what we did this morning. RK, how'd your morning go? Tell me about it. Um, not bad. My alarm went off, and I hit snooze for like the one of the first. Like the, it's getting to the point where my routine is pretty much set. My alarm goes off, and then I lay in bed and stare at the ceiling for a solid five minutes, and I sip water. And I think oh, that's the water- a good idea. At least you're hydrating. Yeah, well, I think the water is what wakes me up. Oh, gotcha. And then once I finally have the urge to pee, which always comes like five minutes or six minutes in, well, that's when I know it's time to. Get, that's when I know it's time to get up. I did not have my coffee this morning, though. Instead, I just I, I came in here. I started reading the news for what would it be, like fifteen minutes. Mm-hmm. Then I got distracted by Twitter. Had my pre workout. Went for a run. Um, Finished the Jordan Peterson book, hopped on here. Yeah, you also have been awake for longer than I have. And I started Dan Crenshaw's book because it was recommended after finishing the Jordan Peterson book. Is Dan Crenshaw, he's the, oh my God. He's like borderline fascist, I think. Yeah. Well, I remember he, didn't he have some recent Twitter scandal where he was like searching for porn on Twitter or something? I don't know. But I always think it's funny because a lot of times Republican politicians, especially those who are like against porn or whatever, they will always end up having some kind of scandal where they are very like publicly looking at porn. Remember when Ted Cruz's official account retweeted porn? Yeah, Ted Cruz, that was so funny. But oh my god, guys, remember the Ted Cruz is the Zodiac killer meme? I loved that. That was a good time. Remember the Ted Cruz's dad murdered JFK? I don't remember that one, but that's that's Um, amazing. Yeah, so I'm reading that now, and so like I'm I'm just at the start of it, and I gotta say I I can see I can see how they build such a such a strong base because essentially they, for one, uh, even if they're not saying anything logical, logical. They mm. always have to come in with the tone of logic, the perception of logic and reason. And mm. two, they base all of their opinions on the not fact that America is the greatest country in every category in the world. He's like, right. are we not the most prosperous uh, uh, country on the planet? It's like, d- define I prosperous. I think that's true, yeah. Like, are, are you talking education? No. Are you talking uh, healthcare? No. Are you talking average income? No. Like, in, w- in what way are we prosperous? Yes, we have the highest military uh, spending budget. Mm-hmm. And I think we have one of the highest uh, incarceration uh, rates oh, in yeah, the world. Yeah, that one. And that's not 
I think some people think that's something to be proud of. That's not something to be proud of. And one of the highest execution rates. So in 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 that situation, we're we're prosperous as fuck. But um, yeah. In terms of what actually helps the average American on a day to day basis, not so much. I mean, so far the only thing he's said so far is you're gonna be more productive if you stand for something instead of against something. And I was like, okay, I can see you there. But I also see people who you disagree with saying the same thing. And you're just insinuating. Yeah, I don't. mean, that's, that's a, that's yeah. a principle that's probably yeah. true across the board. Yeah. Um, if, if you want to read some shitty right-wing literature, um, you should. I got Dave Rubin's book too. I'm so oh, excited. Dave Rubin. Yeah, I, I, it got destroyed by the critics. Dave Rubin is one of those people that I used to respect back in the day. And then I think grifter is the term. <laughs> that's kind of what he became. Uh, he might have just always been one and it just wasn't as open about it at first. Um, but you should read, because I'm reading Ben Shapiro's, the Ben Shapiro book I read back in high school. I'm reading that and to do a video review on it. You should buddy read Ben Shapiro with me. I'll always buddy read Ben Shapiro with you. And I think Dave Rubin is a less successful Bill Maher. Because they both started in comedy too. And then they both realized I'm not funny enough to make it in comedy. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, Dave Rubin, I used to think he did some, he used to do some interesting interviews. Like, I remember, I think he did an interview with Blair White back in the day that was interesting. They talked about, like, trans issues. Oh, he hosted a debate between Blair White and Candace Owens that I watched on YouTube a while ago, where Candace Owens was being awful and telling Blair that she is not a real woman and stuff. I loved it when I, I listened to, Blair White talked to Ben Shapiro once and she was, and Oh yeah. Her, Blair White's debate with Ben Shapiro was actually fantastic because I feel like that's where, like if you have two super right wing people talking, I feel like the right wing audience will be more likely to listen to the concept of this trans woman is valid. And she, she, she really won points when she was like, okay, but what about the concept of gender for utility? Are you going to go to a restaurant and say, I'm looking for this man who looks like a woman who's <laughs> Like it is what you describe you just to say I'm looking for this woman. Right. Well then well, I also like the point she was making because Ben Shapiro is going on about like you need to like gender is a biological thing, whatever, whatever. And she was like, Yeah, but she was like, but what about like adoptive parents? Would you would you clarify every time that they're not this kid's biological parents in every context, even when you're not at the doctor and all of that? And he's like, oh, I guess not. So I feel like she did a good job of drawing comparisons for him. I feel like her content has gone really downhill lately, which I think a lot of people agree with because she's been kind of lying through views and stuff like that. Because you she, have to get views she's above been all else. A, a huge bully and it's been very upsetting. But I will say that I really did appreciate her debate with Ben Shapiro, which was a couple of years ago now. Yes, everyone who's recommending ContraPoints, I am a ContraPoint stan all the way. She is she is one of the greatest people to ever grace the internet. I am and just you went to college her. with them, like at the same time? Um, or well, something like that? So she was, uh, I was a, like a freshman undergrad while she was a PhD student. So I never met her. But like we have crossover in people we know. And I'm just like jealous because like she wasn't famous yet then. And also like, I would never have had a crossover with the PhD department. But you could have been but, in the student union at the same time. Yeah, like we could have, we, we could have, 
Yeah, and it was like we she lived in Chicago for for a while. Yeah, what's a what's a popular restaurant that's right off campus? I mean, there's a ton. But you could have gone to one of those at the same you could time have, yeah, and not yeah. realized it. Jessica, oh Jessica, who also went to the same college as us, says, "Yeah, we were probably all at the Norris Center together. Me and Jessica and Contrapoints and everyone else." Man, I should have gone to Northwestern. You should have, dude. We could have met even sooner. It would have been cool. Chicago it been seems cool. cool. I don't know. I don't. You. I don't. I'm trying to think. Would you have liked me in college or not? Probably not. I mean, I was obnoxious, but I'm still obnoxious. But I think I was even more obnoxious then. Oh, I just mean I don't think I liked many people in college. Oh, that's interesting. I liked everybody in college, but I was also I also hated everybody. But I, I've always you were been just a, very... a constant existence of extreme emotions. Yeah, I mean, I was. A, I've always been a very dramatic person. So like, I would kind of love and hate everybody because in my mind, that's better than ignoring everybody. You know. I live so I'm. As everyone knows, I'm vegetarian. Mm -hmm. I hate being the obnoxious guy who says my diet, but it's relevant to the story. And okay. I lived in, in an apartment with three conservative Jews. They weren't Orthodox, conservative Jews. And they had to live a strictly kosher diet. Now, uh -huh. as a vegetarian, my diet is mostly kosher anyway. Yeah. But they asked me to respect not using their meat dishes with uh, with with their dairy, like when I was cooking eggs yeah. or something, I always had to use the dairy dishes because I was using eggs and cheese, um, which is fine. They did not respect any of my dishes. They would cook in my wok with meat constantly. They would take my food out of the fridge constantly, so I had to use my mini fridge in order to keep all of my food stored. And I realized living with Jews fucking sucks. Guys, RK can say that because he's Jewish. Just so everyone knows. Oh yeah. I'm Jewish, um, which you is why we ended up living here together. doesn't know, because I, <laughs> the worst thing is when people get canceled for saying something about their own group of people. Like, I just, that's so annoying. You know what I mean? I don't know. I'm not touching that with a 10-foot pole. Uh, I, I also think it's difficult to get canceled over saying things about Jews. People don't care about us. I disagree. I think it, I think a lot of people, especially now, are really like I think people, especially recently, have been waking up to how big of a deal anti-Semitism is, especially like in the media. Only and when they can use it to support their cause. That's true. What was your thoughts on? Um, remember when Nick Cannon went on that huge like anti-Semitic rant on that? I didn't podcast? fucking care. I've heard oh, worse. Okay. I didn't fucking care. That's fair. Okay. Well, just so he got caught on the Nick Cannon. I used to think he was cool back in the day, and then I he was is like, cool. Look at no. look at how successful he's been being a complete clown. Like I have nothing but respect for. I mean, first off, Drumline's fantastic. Dude, Drumline is such Drumline a good Drumline is movie. great. Drumline like, is amazing. Nick Nick Cannon could say, I hate your nose to my face. And I'd be like, cool, I love Drumline. Like, that, like, that would be the conversation. Um, secondly, I don't know. He's had a hard life. Like, he's allegedly tried to suck off a lot of random dudes who don't want him to give him a blowjob. And, I mean, I imagine what? it's it's difficult. Like, that, 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 I mean. Is that I don't a know real if, thing? Did you make I, that up? I, I don't know if it's true or not. I know there have been rumors about it on the internet. And I imagine it's really difficult to the pride to have a man turn down a blowjob. So you're saying that Nick Cannon has had a hard life because he has come on sexually to people who weren't interested in him. I'm saying in my experience, most men I know would have never turned down blowjobs. And he's ha apparently From had multiple anyone? people. From anyone? Like, it, I guess. I don't men, know. Men in the chat. 
<laughs> would you accept a blowjob from literally anyone or does it have to be someone that you feel positively about to at least some extent? And anyone in the chat who gives blowjobs, would it really hurt your pride if you tried to give one and you were turned down? Because I imagine that would really hurt his pride if that happened. <laughs> I have never heard this at all. <laughs> I... What? Because that's like the most selfless act. That's like one of the most selfless sexual acts a person can give. Because you get no sexual pleasure in return for it. Some people do. Fair enough, but there are exceptions. I've heard you know, but I know that... I've heard a lot of people who are just very sexually turned on by having genitals in their mouth. Yeah, and then going back to, to this more serious conversation, yeah, Katie's right. Um, Andrew and, says he would accept a blowjob from Nick Cannon. Would you do it for the views? Well, see, this is I like. This. So Queen of Spades says, RK says, all men are hoes, which is accurate. Um, Joseph would only accept a blowjob from his wife. Very good monogamy there. However, Andrew says he would absolutely accept a blowjob from Nick Cannon. I respect Andrew's honesty so much. I mean, I know he's not being honest, and that just makes me respect him even more for his honesty. You think Andrew's not being honest? You think that if Nick Cannon tried to give him a blowjob, he would turn him down? I honestly don't know. I also don't know if Andrew was actually Andrew. Like, if, if anyone in this chat was secretly an alien sent here to study humans, it would be Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> Because he's he's so perfectly innocuous. He says something very memorable, but he could disappear whenever he wants. He could be the life of the party and then disappear, and the party would still continue. That's interesting. I just created a whole story for Andrew that's probably not true. You wrote Andrew fan fiction. I wrote while, Andrew fan while fiction. While Andrew's here in the chat, you wrote fan fiction about him to his face. Yeah, but he also has a great sense of humor. That's one thing I know for a fact. Oh, he does. I remember when he's <laughs> been on the fan fiction streams, he said some weird shit, but I respect him for it. Wait, Amanda, wait, I was distracted for a moment. Are we talking about the guy who posted a TikTok from the gym saying it's not gay to get a blowjob from a guy? I, there, there have been like legit articles written on this where it's like, the, the, I remember when I was in college, there was an article, it might have even been in Vogue. Like it was a serious <laughs> publication. <laughs> I was talking about the bro job. Good lord. Okay. <laughs> Which again, like everyone should do what they want sexually, but I think that there's this, this weird thing where it's like, is this gay? Is this not gay? It, like, who cares? Just do what you want. What would Tony do? What would Tony do? Um, Tony would I'm trying to think what Tony would do because Tony is very, very invested in gender roles to the point where like he will tell people to break up if he thinks that the woman has too much power in the relationship. Only, only if the woman has too much power and only like only if he can switch. He, he can manipulate anything to be the woman's fault. Yes. Yes. He also Mushroom Destroyer. <laughs> Sorry. What did Mushroom <laughs> Destroyer say? Just proving that her life is a deserves a television show again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everything Mushroom Destroyer says. Like, <laughs> Why does the Jersey Shore exist? We should have had the Mushroom. Montgomery is like an interesting time to pop in. Well, okay, so we were I, we were talking about anti-Semitism in the media, and then I was brought up that Nick Cannon went on an anti-Semitic rant on a thing. Montgomery and then sent me a private message too. I wonder if this is going to be like, what are you guys talking about? Wait, you a message? Oh no, it's not. It's sweet. Montgomery just sent me a private message on Discord too, and I was like, "Oh shit, is this oh, gonna be her?" What the fuck are you talking about this? You've strayed from the topic of Tony Robbins and have started talking about. 
<laughs> Y'all, if anyone here writes books and needs an editor, hire Montgomery. She is fantastic. I mean, I'm talking development edits. If it were not for her, my shitty books would always be shitty instead of below average. She can break the shittiest writer average. And that is the greatest compliment I can give anyone because only the at most average writers thrive. See, here's what RK does. He under-promises and over-delivers, which is the opposite of what Grant Cardone says. RK is over here always like, my books suck. I'm a terrible writer. With the help of my editor, I went to below average. Then you buy his book and you read it and you're like, oh, this is actually great. But he says, that's your expectations low. That's what you do. And you know you do that. I imagine some people do that with their blowjob skills. Do I use they? teeth constantly. <laughs> oh my god. Tony what, a, what a great way to start the morning. You're well, I mean, you know, we 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 I saw someone once complain about us talking about poop too much, so we had to move over to sex. Yeah. This this show, we're gonna talk about poop, we're gonna talk about sex, we're gonna talk about um, Not never together. <laughs> never together. What about never together? We you don't. said we're going to talk about poop and we're going to talk about sex. And I said never together. Oh! <laughs> At first I thought you meant we were never going to poop together. And I was like, probably not. But <laughs> but you meant we we're never going to talk. Okay, I get, I get it. I get it. Yes, I get what you mean. Um, Alicia gave $5. My goal is to be an average writer now. Alicia, are you... I sent you the link. Are you backstage? I want to bring you up on here for to talk about your book. I'm not kink shaming. I'm just saying that I'm drawing a hard line of conversations we're going to talk about on here. Yes. No, we are. We will. We will never talk about um, the poop fetish. If if you do that in you, in your bedroom, if you enjoy pooping on your bed, I don't even know what to say after that. No, I'm, I'm like I'm not shaming it, but I, I have I'm not I have no words to say after that. Exactly. No, exactly. You do you. Have a good time. I won't ruin your fun, but it's not a topic for the podcast. Definitely makes me wonder what people say like about a presentation you know when they say don't shit the bed <laughs> oh hey alicia's here what's up alicia hello can you hello. hear me oh yes oh sorry. shit i was not ready for this okay let me sorry get my to transition you in in the middle of our poop and sex talk but never together yes hi how are Montgomery. you doing No worries. I hear an echo. Is it? I'm trying. Uh, you sound fine to me. Can you hear okay. us okay? Yeah, now I hear you guys fine. There was like okay, a weird wonderful. delay and I was How like. How are you doing this um, morning? Yeah, interesting timing. <laughs> Sorry about that. We got way off topic, but that, that happens sometimes, guys. This show, you never know what's going to happen. Kimberly, that's what we're going for. Her comment Good. was Sorry, guys during it. work is having local radio morning show I'm, on in the background. Oh, I'm trying to see if I could fix the echo that I hear. I don't think you do. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I don't hear the echo. You sound. I don't funny. hear it either. I just hear like a duplicate, like a delay. It's like oh, live weird. and then a delay. Let's see. Do you have the video on as well? I do. Oh, that's why. Yeah. So just just mute oh. the YouTube video. You're smart. Okay. There awesome. we go. How are you doing this morning? Good. <laughs> also, interesting transition. But I actually taught sex education in a prison. Oh Whoa. wow! Is what was that this like? is where we're going. Let me get this up. <laughs> <laughs> just so you know, here I'll back up. It's, it's also like sunrise here. This is the earliest I've woken up in a long time. 
Um, I'm in the Pacific Standard Time. Um, Whoa, so it's yeah, like not even 7 a.m. for you yet. That's I woke amazing. up at 5.45. It's 6.40 now, right now. Uh, yeah, I, I taught sex education in a woman's um, correctional facility in Michigan. So, um, yeah, so I got lots of questions. Or I guess nothing feels out of line or, like, off uncomfortable, to say the least. That sounds like a really interesting job to have. Yeah, I actually really liked it. It might be like one, I don't want to say it's my favorite job because I'm still working somewhere right now, but mm -hmm. it might be uh, one of my favorite jobs, like for sure. Actually, yeah. what you do now? interesting. Sorry, go again. I was going to say, can we ask what you do now? Yeah, I work, um, it's very like Oregon specific, but I work for our state's Medicaid company, like coordinating care for like our vulnerable members who are mostly like houseless addiction issues, physical health stuff, and like getting them to doctor's appointments and doing like, boots on the ground, social work stuff. That's fantastic. It sounds like a lot of the jobs you do have a lot of uh, like real world impact. Yeah, and I, I mean, I enjoy doing them too. So it's, it was interesting. I think I also worked at a men's jail, well, a co-ed jail, but mostly on the men's wing. And that was definitely like a dicier experience, like an unsafe dicier experience. And the women's prison was actually pretty safe, which I think, mm -hmm in general um, is pretty much the norm for yeah. for things, so. Awesome. Yeah. Well, that's really, that's really interesting. You mentioned um, when we talked on Facebook, you mentioned that you have a book coming out. Can you talk yeah. about your book a little bit? Uh, I mean, as long as uh, anything that you're able to announce yet, yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure we can. Oh yeah, I can announce. It's a long ways out. So I am not a writer or an author. I need to preface that <laughs> by well, education. Well, if you have a book coming out, kind of sounds like you might be an author. But... I know, it sounds like I might, I might be eventually. So I am <clears> not <throat> an author, a writer, my degree, quite obviously not in those fields. Um, but I was contacted by a really small press to write a book focusing on the mental health topic that I, I guess do as my side job, I'm using air quotes, because I do a lot of it. It's not much of a side project anymore. Uh -huh. um, and it's a workbook for Child, for professionals to use with children. And it's it's due in June, and then it'll be a year and a half until it publishes, which seems kind of bananas. Yeah, the um, book publication process can yeah. be really, really slow. So it's coming out then in what, the end of 2022? Beginning, I believe, uh, I had the date pushed back because I was not in like with pandemic and stuff was not close to being done with the yeah. book and the truth is still not very close. Um, but yeah, it'll be coming out in 2023. Oh, wow. That, is a, that does feel like mid. forever from now. <laughs> it feels, yeah, it feels like eternity, which I think part of it too, which open for ad writer advice for sure is kind of getting like the motivation to do something that won't be completed <laughs> or have like a, physical payoff until two and a half years from now, I guess. That's, that is difficult. Like, you know, I have my first traditional public, traditionally published mm -hmm. book coming out in June this year. And I started writing that book in 2018. Oh, wow. Yeah. I started, well, I started outlining it in 2017. And so this book has been in the works for forever. And sometimes you just feel like, you know, this process has been for, like when I put out one final vinyl, I'd been writing that book. I started working on that book in 
um, 2016 and I put it out in 2020. So I feel like, you know, the book publication process can be really long. I think a lot longer than people realize sometimes. So sometimes it can feel hard knowing that like this, this will be a long time before this sees the light of day. But what's, what's I think really cool for motivating with you, especially is that you have, you do have a timeline, which yes. a lot of writers don't have. A lot of writers go into the process blindly and they're like, True. I don't even know, like, am I going to find a publisher for this? Am mm. I going to self-publish this? Am I going to do what, what am I going to do with this? Will I ever even publish it at all? Well, and a lot of people don't know and they're just experimenting, but you have like a clear set schedule where it's like, you finish it by this date, you turn it in, you, you're, the book will be coming out. You already have the publisher. I feel like that's got a, I feel like that's an, at least from my perspective, an advantage in terms of staying motivated. True. Yeah. And I did push the timeline back like six months, <laughs> just with like pandemic, obviously it was pretty difficult yeah. to like get very far in the, the process. So I have till the end of June to the end complete, of June. Okay. I think it's 150 pages. Although a lot of it is worksheets, which is kind of a lighter lift than text. I think. Yeah, I just finished the first draft of the workbook to go along with my business book. And it's, uh, it's only like 6000 words, which is like a 10th of the words of the business book itself. But it's, it's like it's 40 workbook. pages. So it's like, yeah, it's a lot, a lot fewer words because the worksheets have like all the boxes and stuff usually. Yeah. And it's for kids. So I guess it's a little bit lighter. So you said that this was a birth out of a side project that or side work that's has sort of sort of dominated the, the work you do. Do, do you um has the <clears throat> excuse me yeah, dusty right. apartment uh, is the is the work that you do mostly with children as well? No, no. Oh wow, so no. you're really crossing over there. <laughs> so, yeah. So I'm uh, so I I only work with adults. Um. Yeah. I no. I luckily I don't know if I can handle working with children, and I have my own, and I feel like that's enough interaction with kids. Um, <laughs> some days too much since they don't have a school to go to right now. Oh um, geez, <laughs> that can be a lot. <laughs> so yeah, I like legit like ran, my kids are with an adult, I promise, but I like legit like ran here while my partner is still sleeping and we'll like run back to the office and they'll probably be like waking up as I go back. Um, so they won't even know that I was like secretly gone. Uh, yeah, so I just work with, so I teach DBT, dialectical behavioral therapy. It's like coping skills, essentially. And I only work with adults. And I've been doing that for like eight years. But I have, and they are aware, the publisher is well aware that I do not have kid experience. Mm -hmm. So it's a little bit, it's very much a stretch in like making sure the language is appropriate without just feeling like I'm dumbing it down. Um, and yeah, I see uh, Sacco pointed out, which is why it's a book for adults who work with kids. So yeah, the book is for like therapists, social workers to work, mm. you know, uh, school counselors to work with children more so than, um, you know, a kid isn't going to like, and it's for, so the other piece is it's, uh, it's for young kids. It's for like elementary and early and early junior high school ages, which hasn't been done before with DBT. So in some ways it's like new and, and in some ways it's like new and there isn't really much to pull from, I guess, in a way. And at the same time, it's kind of cool because I'm able to like forge a path. Mm -hmm. If that so, kind of makes sense. I'm very unfamiliar with what DBT is. Could you walk me through that? 
Yeah, sure. Um, and I think I'm trying to multitask. Um, Queen of Spades says DBT is hard too. Love you, you rock. Thank you. Yeah, it is hard and it's not well known. So DBT, I'll give the really abridged version and you're welcome to ask questions. It. Okay. Um, DBT is dialectical behavioral therapy and it's a combination of CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy, which is the belief that your thoughts that your feelings impact your thoughts, impact your actions. I think I got the little CBT triangle right. And DBT believes the same thing. So um, thoughts, feelings, actions, but more so focuses on feelings. Are, if you can change your feelings, you can change your action um, and include Zen Buddhism. So there's a huge mindfulness piece to it, focused mostly on like doing one thing at a time and then this CBT feelings impact actions which in actions then impact feelings kind of loop um and it's like coping skills like there's like phys there's like worksheets and acronyms and sometimes even like physical tasks you can do for like 20 minutes that will trick your brain into being like oh i'm not super miserable right now i'm less miserable right now <laughs> so is this done through like perspective or, or what, like what are some of the practices that people can do in order to uh, change those either thoughts or feelings uh, on the spot like that? Yeah, so some of it's like as an example, like some of it is um, like concepts and then some of it's okay. worksheets. Like where are you in your brain right now? I'll throw one out there, like wise mind. Like where are you in your brain right now? Are you in emotional mind? Are you in rational mind? If you're in either of those two mindsets, chances are you're not in a good space to be making a good decision or being really effective is like a CBT word, or being like effective in your life. Like if you're, I do, if you're hyper emotional, this is the example I always give, it's really cheesy, but if you're hyper emotional and you're in the US and you're trying to do your taxes, like it's gonna be really hard to cry while doing your taxes. Uh, and you might need to be in like a, a, like in a rational analytical mindset to do your taxes. And for some people getting in that mindset is really difficult. And there's skills that focus on like, okay, I'm recognizing I'm, hysterical crying right now. I'm in the middle of a panic attack. My house is messy. I need to leave for work in five minutes. What can I do to move myself into a better headspace for the next five minutes to get myself in a place to be effective by going to work because I need the paycheck or I don't want to get fired or I need to, you know, take care of my kid that's in the other room or I need to go to sleep or whatever might be going on. Um, so part of it is like self exploratory. I don't know if that's that's technically not a DBT lingo word. Um, and some of it is like physical stuff. So like another really super easy, very cheesy one, which I'm going to do very awkwardly on video right now is called half smile. So it's the idea that like the Mona Lisa smile is the example they use. So by like upturning the corners of your mouth, oh, so subtly in like the barely there smile fashion, you trick your brain into being like, oh, look, we're slightly happy right now. We're, we're, we're not gonna be crying, we can't cry because we're feeling some sort of euphoria right now. We are okay, we can get ready and go to work. We can eat a meal that maybe we haven't eaten for a variety of reasons in the last two days. We can get up and, and make the bed because we're, we're feeling okay right now. We're not sad, we're not temporarily not sad, we're not feeling the weight of the world on our shoulders and it's like, 20 to 60 seconds of doing this. And it's it's also evidence-based. I feel like I want to throw that out there because it does sound really kind of wooey. Um, and that there's you know been lots of studies proving that it does actually change your brain chemistry over time to focus more on skills and being effective than like unhealthy skills. 
So it has a compounding effect. You do it five minutes a day, every day, and eventually it really takes over. Yes. Yeah. And eventually it changes your, I guess, neuropathways and brain chemistry. That way you're like automatically, your brain automatically chooses to do half smile. You're like, oh, I'm doing it without noticing it as opposed to unhealthy and effective coping skills, zoning out, potentially like, you know, using illicit substances too much, engaging in like arguing. And as a whole, DBT is for people who have like volatile emotions, who have like really intense, intense emotions. And a lot of the focus is on kind of identifying and like reining in those emotions and recognizing if it's like effective for you or not. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, because I feel like, like the abridged version. <laughs> well, I feel like a lot of what you're saying, right? There are things that maybe people have heard in passing from time to time, but then you're offering like a legit answer backed by science that can sort of make sense of the actions. And, and I mean, for one, just ha having an actual plan, I know, can make all the difference in the world. And so, if you're offering people that, I, I'm sure that can help in, in any situation. But it just as far as my brief understanding of it, so it sounds like there's three points. There's the the thoughts, the feelings, and the actions. And if you can just impact one of those, it then feeds into the other two. Yeah, yeah, which, like, which is more CBT, but yes. CBT is mostly the feelings and the actions. It, some of the thoughts, but mostly feelings and actions. But yeah. And the so idea you can is wag like, the dog's tail. Yeah, 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 <laughs> totally. And, you know, one feeds the other that feeds the other. So if you can change your thoughts, you'll change your feelings and you'll act differently. If you can, and sometimes too, if you can act differently, like that was the smile example, if you can act differently, you'll also likely change your thoughts because your brain is like, oh, we're not sad because I feel a smile coming on. So we can't be sad because there's a smile on, on me. And the idea that like they all kind of feed together to make life a little bit easier in the moment. Well, my thought process now is everything you're saying, I think one of the things that sort of, so I, I love everything you're saying. What sucks though is I've heard this in very per like perverse ways from self-help gurus who take bits and pieces of this advice okay. and turn it into manifestation journals, um, fake it till you make it advice, shit like that. Because the idea of oh, yeah. acting differently in order to bring that thought process onto your life that's not that far of a skip from, hey, if you act famous and act rich, you're going to manifest that fame and wealthiness into your life. Yes. And there's so many times, like, I'll be scrolling TikTok or, like, see, like, a, I'm using, like, air quotes because, like, I feel like the term viral is really overused. But, like, a viral post that, like, is shared by 8,000 people. And I'm just like, that's DVT. Like, th at that, like, cutesy little, like, dance video where you're just, like, pointing to signs is, like, DVT and seems really like hokey or is taken to the extreme where it's like make millions or like cured your depression in 30 seconds. And I'm like, whoa, 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 <laughs> please do not. Like the pharmaceuticals are there for a reason. Please take your pills. And DBT also does focus, like there is legitimately a skill for like taking your meds every single day. So it's like, ooh, checkbox. I'm taking my medication and exercising and following psychiatrist orders or psycho, uh, you know, psychiatric nurses or whoever you see for meds too. But I do see a ton. Um, and I was discussing this with um, uh, the, I'm gonna forget her name now. You had interviewed her, Savvy, and actually emailed her the recovering Hunbot. bot. Oh yeah, she's fantastic. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah, she's been great. I am, she's gonna help me with some business stuff too, which is awesome. Um, Cause everyone's an expert, right? Like everyone is an expert in everything. 
and I paid experts to do stuff that turns out that they weren't an expert in. Yeah, people <laughs> pretend to be experts sometimes. Lots of money they manifested and then, into their lives. Yeah. They manifested their yes. self as an expert. <laughs> I am a brain surgeon. Give me your brain. Yes, <laughs> not too far off. Where it's like, oh, you say you're an expert. You look like an expert. You have a lot of testimonials, and then I'm sitting in a room being like. Uh, I've been doing memberships and teaching these skills online for eight years. Um, and I don't mean to like brag at all because I'm promising very humble, but like eight years ago, this was like pre-pandemic. People were not on Zoom teaching mental health coping skills. Right. Like, this was not a thing for the most part. Not that it wasn't, you know, there was apps and stuff out there, but as a whole, it wasn't a thing or much of a thing until, you know, the last year or so, you know, maybe even last two, three years. So like, you know, there's definitely been times where I'm sitting in a room and I'm just like, I'm paying this person two plus hundred dollars an hour. And I'm like, I kind of know this. Like I've been doing this. I've actually been doing this longer than the person who I just paid to tell me what to do. Uh, but yeah, I think there is def there's definitely, um, and I was discussing this with her too, like a ton of guru types who are not in any way mental health experts at all, including Tony Robbins, who, uh, who I love that you call tiny ribbons. <laughs> Like it took me way too long. And I think you probably explained it six times and it was still like, what the hell is, I'm missing the joke. What is the joke here? Uh, but I also listen to this mostly when I'm working during the yeah. day. Like I'm never live because I don't wake up until like an hour from now. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of like guru types and TikToks and like quick little like meme style posts. that's like trick your brain, 20 seconds, cure your depression, <laughs> bipolar no more, drug-free alternatives. And I'm like, oh my God, stop, stop all yeah. of these stop somebody so, get a lawyer i know that there was um because i know you're talking about teaching this stuff through zoom and i know that there was a whole scandal on youtube like a year or so ago about the company better help do you know like what are your thoughts on that company and what they do and all of that yeah so i don't really i so there's a video that's like two hours long that has been just me numerous times i don't about better help it maybe. Yeah. You had mentioned it in one of your I've videos. I've probably seen too. it at some point because I remember there was a because like they were sponsoring like pretty much yes. like so, every big YouTuber was getting sponsored by them. Yeah. So better help and then talk space, but I've seen more better help for this. So this is not in any way um, an expert opinion based on like any sort of scientific facts here. Um, but better help at least, and the same I think for talk space, but I see less talk space ads pays a ton of people. Um, YouTubers, influencers, uh, and I mean influencers in a term beyond just kind of like Instagram model influencers. And a lot of people that I've followed um, in like the LGBTQ plus community to promote, and I guess, which is fine. I mean, make money. I don't have an issue with that. My issue is that they each spend over a million dollars a year in advertising. They're a large company that seems, you know, kind of fair, but they pay their therapists about thirty to forty dollars per hour, where therapy and it's you know no insurance or whatever, so it's totally out of pocket. And therapists, at least in my area, charge you know there's some definitely sliding scale, but as a whole, charge like one hundred and forty dollars an hour. Yeah, that's very low. So part therapy, of it, yeah. it's very very low. So a they're like, and I don't know the whole story, so whatever if they reach out to me um, or if like somebody wants to be like, that's totally, well, I know that part is fact because I know people who work for them because it's good money to do in your spare time, especially when yeah. we're working from home. And a lot of people in our field like lost their jobs because they were working in person. I'm able to work from home, which is quite a big shift. Um, but a lot of, um, you know, people have, 
you know, it's, it's easier work, I guess, than some other work that we, we do. And it's more pay than community mental health and other things pay. So like, you know, I, I get it. I get why people do it. I'm not, you know, saying anything bad about the people who have to do it or who do it as work, uh, but they pay super, super low. They pay a ton of money in sponsored sponsorship. Um, and what I've been seeing, which maybe is also the people that I follow, it seems like they're also potentially, um, you know, uh, marketing towards like marginalized groups. Mm -hmm. And the therapist that they that often work for them, not everyone at all, um, are often very new to the field, and I feel like maybe aren't the best fit for those groups. That's what I was hearing with some of the scandals were that the therapists weren't always experienced or qualified enough to be taking on what they were, just because yeah. it was so uh, like a ride sharing app for therapy, which is doesn't seem right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I yeah, I would definitely not disagree. And this part, I this part, I saw in a video, so I'm not saying it's it's or like I read it in an article, yeah. so I'm not saying it's fact. This is like my like disclosure. Please don't sue me. I don't have anything. Um, is no one Alicia? Um, no, so yeah, I don't have anything. Disclaimer: This is speculation, pure speculation. Um, is that I've also seen videos or articles or whatever it was, and I was looking into like what their kind of deal is because uh, they do you know sponsor stuff and have money, which is lovely for some people. Oh, that's my website. I was that's, like, yeah, oh pull God. up your website, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that startled me. Um, yeah, so um, part of it is that, um, now I lost total track of things. Oh, is that like the the way this, the sponsorship works is like, I'm making up a number, but like your first five sessions are 30% off and the influencer actually gets that amount of money. Mm -hmm. So for every person that they sign up, they're getting a commission, which like, I know like it works for HelloFresh. It works for, you know, like Audible or whatever else yeah. might be out there. Like I get that, but it's like a really large sum of money per, they don't allegedly, they don't get paid for the sponsorship. They get paid what the savings is for their viewer, which is also seems a little bit like icky that they're like guiding people into getting mental health treatment and yeah. saying like, I wouldn't. Like if you came to me and you said like, I have anxiety, I might know some people in the mental health field and I certainly might recommend people. I wouldn't recommend people, like a directee of people to a bunch of strangers I don't know who have unique problems. I guess it seems very blanket and then make $30 off of every referral I get Yeah, um, yes. to go to a therapist that like, I'm essentially recommending therapists without having any idea if they're new, if they're good, if they um, are terrible, if they really understand certain communities that they do. I mean, there's five of them in our area. I went through the process to see what I could see. Um, and there was five of them in the process. Um, and I knew one of them personally. So if you hear me right now, I don't hate you. Um, but they're all white um, women, which is fine. I'm not in a, in a whole not downing white women, but also maybe not like the best fit. Um, and just because you like check some boxes on a checklist that you're given as you sign up for a plan, which I could say the same thing about psychology today's thing, doesn't mean you know anything about that field. Like, oh, I work with people who are poly. Oh, I can, you know, do sex mm -hmm. therapy. And then it's like, you know, not actually the case, but you're just checking a box because you want to reach as many people as possible. And now you're 
yeah doing a disservice to a community so that's my yeah i'm seeing some varied experiences about it in the comments a few people saying they have found some great you know therapy through that app and that the app has been useful other people saying that it uh wasn't really executed right for everyone so i think that there's a lot um a lot of variation there which tends to be and you know what people say with therapy sometimes you have to try out a couple different therapists before you find the right one Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I think Monica pointed something out too that I want to call out too. As someone who works with a community of people who do not have insurance, insurance accessible, I personally feel this app help. Yes. And I will also add that I actually used, I don't remember which one it was, when I had a newborn um, at home and I was living in an area. Oh yeah, there we go, Monica. Thank you. Um, I think that's a great point. So I used one of them myself and I don't remember which one it was, um, but this was in 2014. I had a newborn baby. I was living in a city where I knew nobody. Um, I was living in Michigan. It was very, I'm not from Michigan. It was very cold. I had no friends and I didn't um, have any um, like support and it was having a newborn baby and working for myself from home uh, part-time. And you know, there's hormonal issues, you know, after postpartum and was, lonely and isolated and I signed up for whatever. I had one um, session with this provider who was nice, who was lovely, whatever. Like I felt good about it. It was very supportive um, and I felt supported as a new mom and and um, stated that my problem wasn't postpartum depression but that I was living in a crappy area and I should move. Which looking back on it was knew somebody who knew me for 50 minutes just told me. <laughs> Yeah. to make like a major life decision and also told me I didn't have like kind of diagnosed me um or un, I guess didn't diagnose me with you know uh PPA or PPD which looking back on it was truthful but maybe not their place to do so and right. was it that right at the time oh it was the right answer I moved to Portland I moved back to Portland Oregon like six months later like, <laughs> without a doubt that was like what I you know ended up doing and the right move but um, and I had no options. Like there was, a, there was a Christian counseling center in the small city I was in that I didn't feel comfortable going to. So I didn't have another option. I didn't see another option, didn't have another option. And I refused to drive in snow with a brand new baby in the back of my car to see a therapist. So right. my option was this app, which the therapist was nice and lovely. Um, and I had planned on seeing the person again, but at that time couldn't kind of afford it. So I think it does like fill a gap. I guess I, guess I wish it was, it like, you know, the, I don't even know how much they charge. The $100 an hour that they make more of that went to providers and maybe they recruit, and I don't know if this is happening, but maybe recruited more variety of employers. Everybody, this is Alicia's website here, onlinedbtcourses.com. Just so you guys know, this is already, this website is already linked in the description oh, of all of my videos, just because Alicia is on my Patreon. So okay. as that's like one of the rewards on Patreon. So your website's been linked in all of my I videos. Not all about now. that. <laughs> yeah. So I, I started linking it there months ago. So yeah, if you're, that, and that's you don't like get a, a better health commission. I don't get it. No, but you know what? Nobody sponsored me. I don't think that I, you know, I don't think I fit their criteria. Uh, that said, you know, if like, I'm trying to think if who would want to give me, who, who would give me money? Nobody. Nobody's going to give me money. <laughs> what would be like an ethical place to take money from? There is their ethical consumption and capitalism. No. Um, I love post-it notes. You know, post-it note is welcome to send me a couple of free boxes. Um, 
Yeah, and can I shout out one other business that makes zero money for that matter? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, so I also own um, DBT Self Help. Uh, please do not pull up the website. I will. <laughs> I tell was you about to do it, so I'm glad you told me not to. You can't. You can't. I take that back. You can pull up the website. I'll explain it if you pull up the website. So okay. I uh, this website was kept alive for 18 years by somebody who completed DBT. She actually was the second round of people ever in the early 80s to complete DBT. Her name uh -huh. is Lisa Dietz. Um, and I, she's not watching this because she doesn't have internet access, but uh, she was a peer. She graduated from a program. She created this website, which is is awesome. It had it has 500 pages of free content of DBT worksheets, videos, everything, um, stories from professionals, stories from peers. It has a peer lens, which is awesome. And I think we need more peer peers in the community. Um, professionally and um, available to consult with. And I don't think we have enough of that. I think there's too many gurus and professionals helping professionals. Mm -hmm. That's another cap, another soapbox. Uh, so she created this website 18 years ago, um, is open about it, has her own mental health struggles. Um, DBT changed her life um, and gave her DBT's lingo is like a life worth living. Um, and she is, um, you know, still around uh, about a year and a half ago, was having some intense struggles with physical health um, and finances and couldn't keep the website um, current anymore. If you pull it up, you'll kind of see it's very outdated. Um, so I purchased the website from her a year and a half ago, and it's with a designer right now at the final stages. And the website will be completely redone. Uh, and I point this out to say that it will still remain free there's no plans on putting any paywalls up or anything. It just has been cleaned up and kind of modernized um, and hope to um, kind of expand it with like blogs. So if you're a blogger and you want to reach out or are interested in having blog posts, the website gets 30 to 40,000 unique visitors per month. Uh, it's been around for so long and has so much valuable material. It's just really outdated and we're happy to kind of have, uh, in some ways, I guess, sort of saved it from not continuing any longer. When we got to it, we couldn't even access it any longer. It had kind of expired its all its security settings. Um, and uh, we'll be making a, a, a debut, a re-debut, hopefully in April or May. Um, and it's all free DBT content. Um, I think we took some stuff out that was a little dated, but I think we're at like over 300 pages of- Oh, wow. Of content, free videos, free resources. The idea is to make to make DBT accessible. Whether you can afford one-on-one -on -one sessions with me, which I know not everyone can do, um, or you want to buy the workbook for twenty-five bucks, you know, online, and are going to follow along with or print out the website worksheets, and that's the way that you're going to learn DBT skills. I'm just honestly happy that people are interested in learning DBT, kind of whatever financial situation or mental space you're in. We're here to kind of like meet all your needs and meet you where you're at. So that's my other website shout out. What is the, that website called? So oh, uh, a, a DBT self-help. And it has not been updated in 12 years. I'm going to say that politely. So oh, that's okay. I still I just want people to have the URL. So when it does finish being oh, yeah. updated, everybody can oh, know you, to yeah. go there to find the free resources. Yes. And it's all everything... There's a lot there, a lot, a lot, which a lot of it has been kind of hidden because it's been not updated and it takes like eight to 10 clicks to get to a page. Mm -hmm. um, so it'll be streamlined and cleaned up and yeah, and it's all, it will all be more, more free content for people.
Excellent. So y'all, this is so fitting that it's like, thank you. Tony Robbins is a big fake therapist. We're living like him. We hate how he's <laughs> like, he fakes his, he fakes therapy. He tries to uh, do all that. And we got a real therapist on the show to talk to us about <laughs> being real about this. Yes. As, uh, yeah. Sorry, I'm interrupting. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just rambling. I was like, who doesn't like Tony Robbins or Guru? Yeah. I mean, which is, I think I think I found you through MLM stuff. I think mm -hmm. it wasn't through the book stuff because I think at that point I was like just floundering on my own. Um, probably just like in an, in an instant state of panic assigned, upon signing a contract. And it's just like, who the hell gave me a book deal? This was a terrible idea. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, and then yeah, there's, there, and then, I mean, there could, there's, Tony Robbins is kind of a mental health guru, but there's plenty of mental health gurus out there too who charge, you know, thousands of dollars, um, offer like afterpay and stuff, um, and market directly towards people who are um, disenfranchised yeah. in order to make a lot of money. That's nasty. Who charge, wow. you know, 500000 I've seen $45,000 listed like it was nothing um, for similar work to what I do. And I've met with coaches and guru business types who have said, like, increase your pricing. You know, you could be charging $5,000. You can get rich people. Here's how you can market towards rich people to charge $5,000. And I'm like, I don't really want rich people problems. Like, I don't want to hear about, like, your second house in Malibu during our session. <laughs> like, be real with me. Like, talk, you know, this isn't. Yeah. There's, there's also, a place for that for sure, but it's not me. You should connect with Amanda in the comments yes. because she is talking about how, because we had her on last week and she talked about how she's starting oh, yeah. a YouTube channel about mental health. And she said she'd love to interview you for her yes. channel. Yes. So and I, I think, I, yeah, during fantastic. while you were talking, Amanda, I think I met, said something about like, I'll connect with you and then never did either. I don't know if you saw that comment, but yeah. And feel free like to, to reach out. I can't keep up. The chat and I took my glasses off, so it didn't look no, that's why I, I get behind on the chat too. I'm like, but yeah, <laughs> uh, it comes quick. You have a very, um, as a member of it, usually I'm watching like while I'm working yeah. like three hours <laughs> later, um, so don't keep up with the chat either. But yeah, I mean, mental health should be mental health should be um, accessible <laughs> to everyone, and, and it's Completely. at least in America, it's not. I don't think it is very accessible in other countries. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of ways to go. And I think just even within the past few years, there's been a huge revolution in the way that mental health is viewed as a part of yeah. health in general. And I'm grateful for that as someone who has dealt with mental illness and now has medication and life has gotten better for me as a result. Like, I think it's it's definitely something that we're seeing a lot of more visibility for in the past few years where I'm seeing a lot of people even you know, celebrities and also average people on the internet, just kind of everyone being open about having de dealt with mental illness. Whereas, you know, 10 years ago or so, people didn't want to talk about that. They worried people see them as crazy or something. So I just, I think it's great that we're getting to that point right now. Yeah. And I think too, like, you know, this strange potential, like silver lining of sorts, maybe, maybe that's a stretch. Um, when the last year too, it's like so much stuff has gone online now too. But there are a lot of people who couldn't access somebody because they were an hour away, but are able to, you know, get video therapy or like join. There's like apps now that have like unlimited, um, like unlimited courses for like a fairly low flat fee where you can hear therapists talk about skills or, you know, normalize depression or whatever it might, whatever 
you know, mental health issue, motivation, really like anything at all, ADHD. And there are lots of like apps and stuff too that are out there that like flourished and exploded because of people are home more and people's mental health isn't doing so well. And now everything is on a phone or a computer. So if you have social anxiety or you're, um, you know, you haven't left your house in two years, you can still access mental health treatment where before it was like, you're agoraphobic, maybe you can get a phone appointment. Maybe the therapist will refuse to do it because they don't do that style of work. Awesome. Alicia, thank you so thank much for you. coming on this channel today. I really appreciate hearing your perspective about everything and your thoughts on all of this. And I think it's just very fitting that when we have someone like Tony <laughs> Robbins that we're living like this week, who just loves to you know, pretend he can be your therapist and pretend he can solve all your problems to have someone who actually knows what they're doing. Talk to us. I'm looking forward to your book coming out. I'll make sure I know it's coming out and uh, <laughs> like two years from now at this point, but that's okay because I will make sure to update everyone when it's out and everyone don't forget to check out Alicia's website, which I linked in the chat. Um, and it's also linked in the Patreon supporter section of every one of my uh, regular videos. So if you forget the link, it's there too. Uh, but Alicia, thank, thank you me. so much for coming on today. Yes, thanks. And I have a YouTube channel, but I honestly am not nearly as proficient as you guys in posting. If stuff. you want, uh, you want to promote to... your channel, we can, I can put up a link yes, to it. What's I your actually, channel called? Um, it's on, it's online DBT skills. I actually just changed the name to my name just cause I didn't want it to look salesy in the, I didn't want to be chatting about mental health, like as my business. So I actually just changed my username, um, real quick. But I'm pretty sure it's. Oh, I see it. Okay, yeah, I'm gonna, skills. Um, I'm gonna but link I, this in the chat as well, guys. So if you want to check thanks. out her YouTube channel, yes, it thank is, you for having me on. What it looks like right here, and it it'll be updated. You know, it's I got a little time. I got a lot going on. I get it. Managing a channel on top <laughs> of work is is really difficult. But it, there's a lot of there's a lot of really helpful looking videos here. I'm going to give you a subscribe because oh, I, didn't, you. I didn't even know about so your kind. channel. I just knew about your website. But now that I know about your channel, I am, will be excited to watch this. And I recommend this. Everyone check this channel Thank out. Thank you. Looks fantastic. Thanks so much for being here Thank today. you so much. You guys are the best. You guys are so welcoming and so warm. If anybody, oh, just as a heads up, like if anybody is like, I'm super nervous, you guys are just so, it's like, just like a big, warm, like really early morning hug. And now I'm going to go get coffee. Yay. <laughs> finish Enjoy your coffee. coffee. Right. Yes. So you deserve it. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Uh, so we've got also from, uh, since next week we're doing Gwyneth Paltrow, Kat Benson has mentioned that she wants to come on the channel because if, if you guys don't know, Kat Benson is a licensed dietitian who provides actual nutrition coaching. So this is fun. Maybe this will be a theme we get into where whenever we whenever we talk about a specific guru who like fakes being an expert in something, at least once that week, we'll bring on a real expert in that thing like we just did with Alicia and like we can do next week with Kat. I think that that's a good balance. Uh, I'm just admiring all of the letters next to Kat's name. I, I think if you can collect the alphabet, uh, you're on to something. And yes, Kat, we would absolutely love to have you on next week for that. I can send you a link once I get the stream set up. Um, and is next week eating disorder week? Is that is that what it is? I thought it was. And we're it. giving ourselves eating disorders? Okay, let's go. Um, well, I'll, I mean... I call binge eating. Paltrow. Uh, guys, I, I have... I've, recovered from an eating disorder. So I'm allowed to make that joke. It's okay.
Anyway, I just I haven't disclaimer. recovered from one, but I was a high school wrestler, so we were encouraged to puke. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Um, don't cancel us. Anyway, yes, I think this will be super important to talk about how she's talking about promoting intuitive fasting. I have never heard of intuitive fasting, but it sounds scary. So we are going to talk about that with Kat Benson next week. Absolutely. That sounds like she's phonetically trying to capitalize on intermittent fasting. Aw, Panda loves the idea of having an expert to juxtapose the gurus. Nice Lena Spade also post. wants to come on when we're discussing Goop because she's been researching it and has some things to say. Absolutely. We don't have any interview scheduled for next week yet. I, well, now we have Kat, but yes, we're getting getting all the interviews ready to go. Um, Basically, yes. Mushroom Destroyer legit str struggles with binge eating. It sucks. Yeah, that's what I've heard. I have... Um, one of my best friends overcame binge eating disorder and I've heard how difficult it can be when you're in the worst parts of it. Um, so yeah, and that'll be an interesting thing to talk about, especially because, you know, Kat Benson has a fantastic approach to, um, not eating spinach, not eating spinach. <laughs> she has a fantastic approach to nutrition <laughs> advice where she doesn't, um, it's just, uh, I, I did her, I'll even bring it up. I, I have the workbook cause she gave me, um, her, four week refocus program. And I mentioned it in a video, but I didn't, I haven't talked about it since then, but it's a great program. And I'll bring that up and talk about it because I it, like her approach is not about dieting or anything like that. It's all about, um, you know, finding ways to understand what you're eating and what's going to be best for you, which I think it should be the goal of nutrition at the end of the day. So I like what she's doing a lot. Oh, now and spinach is amazing. Cat, Cat is telling you you need to eat your spinach. When I try to be Popeye, it's like you're gonna get you're you're gonna get kidney stones. But now it's amazing. <laughs> Make up your mind: am I Popeye or not? <laughs> I was gonna go get some kale. I was gonna go full millennial. I was gonna have my kale and my avocado toast. Ew! I which, hate kale. I hate kale. I wish I could like kale because I know it's healthy, but I think it's so gross. I, I just always think of Parks and Rec where uh, she's talking about how people brag about kale and everything. And they're like, this one woman, she slipped kale in my smoothie. My smoothie, guys. Is this where Rachel Hollis actually put kale in her smoothie? I'm pretty sure. I, I mean, I, I'm, I've done it before. I don't really taste it in my smoothie, so that's why. Um, great. Uh... Oh, my God. We need legal. Our, I'm stressing cat out. My bad. I just, you know, I, I wanted to be Popeye. I wanted to, to have the giant biceps from one can of spinach. I mean, who doesn't? Who doesn't want to be Popeye? Except for olive oil. Um, she wants to be with him. Kale, chi kale chips are so good. I agree. Kale chips are delicious. I've been also doing those Parmesan. I've just been making Parmesan crisps a lot, too, because I, I have so much Parmesan cheese, and I don't like buying chips, so I just make my own Parmesan crisps. I've heard it's a genetic thing, right? Where if certain green vegetables taste really disgusting to you, so I, th I don't know if is kale one of those, because I, I, ha I definitely have something with broccoli where like, if I eat broccoli, it's like so disgusting. I want to gag. Like I cannot, I cannot swallow it. When I was a kid, my mom thought I was just like being annoying about it. But as an adult, I like, I still cannot eat it. The smell of it grosses me out. The taste of it makes me want to die. Um, but is is kale one of those things? Because when I eat kale, it tastes like intensely bad. It doesn't taste like a lot of people say it tastes like nothing. I'm like, no, it tastes like really disgusting aggressively. 
I think both can be true. It, you you could be, you could have something, but also kale could just taste bizarre to you. Like I I, I don't yeah. know. I I know kale has a pretty bitter taste when I've tried eating it raw, but when I add it in a smoothie, I don't taste it. Oh, okay. Maybe I need to add it to a smoothie. But maybe that smoothie will make you puke, and you'll just ruin all the fruit you added to it. But I thought you didn't mind that green smoothie that you had for Rachel Hollis week. I didn't. That was, uh, yeah, I guess that's true. That was mostly powder. That The powder didn't taste like that much. It just smelled like grass really strong. I'm not massaging my kale. I'm not massaging my food. I don't even get massages. You want me to massage my food? Get the fuck out of here. No, I'm kidding. I definitely <laughs> massage. I massage uh, food. I massage uh, fish fillets when I marinate them. Like if I get like a tuna steak. I'll massage Ugh. the dry rub into it and the soy sauce. You meat eaters trying to assuage your guilt. Don't worry, dead fish, I'm massaging you. Okay, wait, <laughs> actually, so no, I was a vegetarian for a long time and I started eating meat again because I was worried about some things with my health. And I actually do experience really bad guilt about oh, it. I you really, actually guilt no, you eat fish, I I'm really, kidding. I really do <laughs> want to get back to the point where I don't eat meat anymore because I feel every time I do I feel really like emotionally bad about it uh, no nah, I don't feel you know you know you should, you should just become a hunter that then you can justify it by just being like you know what at least I'm because like that's the thing I, I I've been a vegetarian for 10 years I support hunting I I, I think there's I well, think yeah, if you want to go get your food is the, go out there and hunt <laughs> is like the those farming systems that are doing like that are totally quantities. inhumane yeah that's I think that's because like to an extent everyone the, the world is full of predators and prey and all of that. And you should not be able to fly from New York City to Los Angeles to Hawaii to China, order a double Whopper with cheese and get the exact same sandwich in the exact same proportions. That is that is creepy and I don't like it. Yeah, I think there's a huge problem with, and that's the thing is like there have been times where I'm like, should I stop eating meat again? Because I hate the idea that I'm paying into this industry then I'm like, well, is there, are there ways to like pay for more ethically sourced meat? Because I just, I don't like the idea of supporting the, the big, the big farm corporations. <laughs> I don't know what to call them, but the big farm system where they just kind of have like a, a factory going of nonstop murder production, murder. Yeah. 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 I don't like it at all. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't judge people for, for eating meat. I just hate the fact that, I mean, that, that, like, that is a problem for, for one, it's like geographic locations, they have specialty dishes for a reason because they're what are natural to that area. But exactly. now we've just completely, I mean, you want to talk about the globalist conspiracy of us bringing us, bringing us all together. Why don't y'all talk about the fast food chains that can provide you with the exact same meal? I mean, that's probably the most uniform thing we have is our food consumption. I once ate at a Burger King in China and it was weird. Yeah, I had a kid when we were in Israel, um, my sophomore year of college, who refused to eat local dishes. He he made it his goal to eat at McDonald's every like whenever possible, and he just I, joked about it the whole time. Was I like, can see the appeal because one of my friends runs an Instagram where she tries to visit every different McDonald's she can go to and take pictures of it and put it on Instagram because McDonald's has some variation, dude. McDonald's has some culture. It was horrible for her health and great for the views. It was a huge mistake. It also it was a huge views. mistake and great for the oh views. Oh my god, I have I have so many quotes I need to get. It's a huge mistake and also great for views. I mean, that's probably the one that I'll get matching with you. Oh, you think? Will you actually? I, I might get that, and like Kasha can be in the 
views. Like I can't get Kasha's name. I can spell views with Kasha's name. I I don't know how that's gonna turn out. Me but neither. I I will trust your judgment. I am I will be getting both of these tattoos genuinely. But I'll be getting them both. I mean, I'm gonna obviously get Kasha on my chest. Well, yes, obviously. Obviously, on my heart, in a heart shape. Yeah, as you should. I'm glad to know you love my grandma that you've never love met. her so much. Yeah. Um. For real, guys, I have so many plans for after I get COVID vaccinated to get matching tattoos with friends. Because I'm at the point now where I'm like, the world is on fire. The world, like, everything's terrible. Like, get it. Like, regretting a matching tattoo with a friend is the least of my worries at this point, you know? It's a great worry to have. Yeah, it's God, like, my life sucks. I have a matching tattoo with someone. At this point, it's like, if for some reason in 20 years, I'm like, this friend betrayed me, but I have a matching tattoo. It's like, that's really not the worst thing that could happen. Um, I mean, I'm excited to betray you. Like, I, like in a way, you know, I'm excited You're to become excited self-aware. You're excited to betray me? Yeah, like, because I think we'll be great enemies. We will. We will. Like, I mean, I'm clearly going to go the Tony Robbins route, because I'm 6'7", and... I mean, I'm not, but I think I can manifest it if I try really hard. You can manifest being 6'7", absolutely. I, I've manifested it before. Yeah. And I can do it again. So, like, I think I think when I become Tony Robbins, like, we'll have a great rivalry. That's a good idea. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. It'll be from all the spinach I eat. Also, guys, we think we're going to, when we write a book about, if we're going to write, we're going to write a book about this experience of living like all these gurus and we're going to call it the success rule. So we are doing the success because I'm glad we're actually talking about this now. Are we doing the success book? Is it a real book or a joke book? I think it's got to, I think it's got to have a little bit of both. I think it's got to be primarily humorous, but with, with a, a little bit of truth beneath the, like the jokes to tell a larger truth. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it'll be a three part book to stay safe, to stay sane and the stay sexy. And obviously we can include Jordan Peterson in the stay sane because nothing will make you more insane than him. Uh, Tony Robbins will figure out where he goes. He could be stay sane or stay sexy. Uh, Grant Cardone is definitely stay sane. I think Rachel Hollis is stay safe. Um, yep. And then we can include some girl wash your brain sections in there. Is girl wash your brain a section or is it a book? And will should we, we do, get sued? Do, should we do multiple separate books that are have parody titles uh we you can't get sued for a title titles are not copyrighted oh yeah tell that to cocky gate well dude, that's why cocky gate wasn't successful because titles are not copyrighted your mom's there's not multiple books with the same title out there yeah so i think we should um yeah we could just write multiple books about this the success rule i think is going to be very and then when we get called successful. out and then when we get called out for capitalizing on this yeah. You'll throw me under the bus and I'll become the supervillain guru. <laughs> and it'll actually be your betrayal that sent me that way. And we'll still have matching tattoos. Neither of us can betray each other until after we have matching tattoos because that's a way better origin. We have story. to regret it. Exactly. Yeah, we can't, exactly. We can't betray each other until we do something that we will regret after the betrayal. Oh, like absolutely. right now, if I if one of us betrayed the other right now, it's like, oh man, I can't believe they betrayed me. We made a podcast together and we almost got to 20 episodes. Right. Like that's not I mean, to be fair though, we have been like close friends slash collaborators on everything for the past like couple of years. Yeah. I mean, I've definitely spoken to you on the toilet before. And if you knew that at the time you would hate it and never see me the same way. 
I have I I don't think I've ever spoken to you on the toilet. But it's okay. I don't mind that you've spoken to me on the toilet. As long as I never announce it. And you can't Actually, hear it. I feel I feel like we're close enough friends now that I could get over it. Thank you. Are you going to the toilet now? I thought you turned off your camera because you were going to go talk on the toilet. No, that was a joke. So I, I do think I actually have to get running. All right, y'all. So we're going to wrap up this stream for today. We will see you tomorrow. Same time, same place. We will be wrapping up Tony Robbins week. We will be discussing his investment advice. Um, we will be discussing his book, Money Master the Game. Maybe we'll check out a little bit of Mooncats video. Maybe we'll do some other stuff. Maybe we'll make him on The Sims. I don't know. Uh, that, that'll be, oh, dude, we should, we should finish off every week with making the guru on the Sims actually. Oh, absolutely. I'll start joining your Saturday Sims streams. Yeah. All right. Y'all Saturday night, join the Sims stream. That'll be fun. Maybe we'll make Tony Robbins on the Sims this Saturday. Tiny, Tony Robbins and tiny ribbons. And tiny ribbons. Tiny ribbons can be his cat. We can give him a little kitten and <laughs> tiny ribbons. We're going to have some fun y'all. We're having so much fun. All right. Thank you guys for being here this morning. We'll see you tomorrow morning. Don't forget to support small businesses and have a great rest of your Thursday. Oh, wait. This is called Your Morning Guru. If you listen to it on Apple Podcasts, please give it a five star. I mean, don't you don't have to give it five stars. Give it whatever you think it deserves. But I think you just say if you're still listening, you think you think it deserves five stars. Apple Podcasts, five star. Leave a review. Yes. Let's listen to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever. Uh, I still need to record the ad so that we can have uh, get some Money. ad revenue from that because we can get ad, we get ad revenue from this, but not from that. Um, and I'm gonna make us some merch. Success. I think merch will be. Um, I think I'm gonna have a collection of things that have to do with numbers because I have life happens through you, I'm and then we're gonna have four, forty four capitalism, and then we will have the success rule. Anyway, that's my thoughts on that. Thanks y'all for being here. Bye, friends.